Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. To celebrate Black History Month, we are welcoming Nadia Thompson, the chairperson of the Black History Manitoba Celebration Committee, to the podcast. Nadia is an incredible advocate and educator who has been with the Black History Manitoba Celebration Committee since 2007, and she's a strong voice in the community that promotes Black history, culture, and diversity in our city and in our province. People talk about the George Floyd situation, and there sometimes they have this kind of theory that that was our, you know, awakening, and that was the big, oh my gosh, what's happening in the world? How could this happen? But they don't realize, and from a different perspective, from my perspective, that's not new. That's not something, oh my gosh, that's more of a, again, Mm-hmm. Why is this happening again? Why is this a continual trend? I sat down with Nadia Thompson to talk about Black history and the Black experience, racism and representation in media, and Black history as a year-round venture, not just in February. Nadia Thompson, welcome to the Because and Effect podcast. It's great to have you here. It's so wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for ha- thanks for coming back on Zoom. We had you. Uh, you did a beautiful and informative presentation last week for the Winnipeg Foundation about Black History Month. And as the chairperson of Black History Manitoba Celebration Committee, you uh, are, I'm assuming, doing a lot of these during this month. So maybe just before we talk about sort of what you do, tell me about how you got to this point and, and how you got to this position and, and how it's been going for the last, I'm guessing, over 10 years. So basically, uh, thank you. Um, basically, what had happened is one of our community members came to us as young people at the time and said, you know what, we would like to have more young people involved in giving back to the community, involved in Black history. How do we do that? And um, we were able to give our opinions of it. And then they're like, you know, would you like to lead the youth group? And I'm just like, of course, sure, why not? Um, I've been volunteering and donating my time for as long as I can remember. So it was really not a big ask and I and I enjoy doing it. So that's how it started. We had like about 10 to 12 people in the youth group portion. And we just started great coming up with different ideas of how to get students and, and young people involved and how to make learning about history fun. Mm-hmm. So that's where it started. And then as we went forward and forward, the youth group kind of dissolved and there was a lot more um, diversity within the board and the committee itself. And so I stayed on and probably about, I think I would say maybe give give or take four or five years now, um, I took the chair position where um, kind of doing the program directing part and liaison with a bunch of people. I do the social media, the mm-hmm. graphics, and a little bit of here and there and everywhere. So it's it's a fun gig. I, I enjoy it. The group of people that I work with are just exceptional. They give, and we're all volunteering our time, and it's, it's a lot that we do. Um, it may only be 28 days in February, but it feels like a whole year just to get prepared. <laughs> For sure, but it's it's a great it's a great position to have. What are some of your favorite aspects of the month, and just about the experience in general, and getting to you know inform and educate and celebrate with a lot of different people? I think um, for me personally, it brought me out of my shell a little bit more. Um, I was never a public speaker. This whole podcast and stuff is all foreign to me <laughs> at the time, but. It's, it's a great way to 
um, once you get passionate about something or when you really get divulged into something that you like and enjoy, it's so easy to do. So it's given me different opportunities, um, not only to re represent um, Black history, Manitoba itself, but also for, for me, just to be more involved and, and get my face out there and just to do something that I thoroughly enjoy. Sure. Um, the best part of it, the team that I work with, I can't praise them enough for, for being such a great and dedicated and so much fun. They're little, our little family that <laughs> comes together once, once a year. Um, we've been doing, most of the group has been at least six years we've been mm -hmm. doing the, the same group of people that have been so, so great. Um, they all, they all want to give something and they all have their own parts and they all do something unique that brings us all together to be so successful in what mm -hmm. we do. So, so I, I really, really do care about our community and care about this team. And we want to give a reason for you to want to learn and want to be a part of history because that's really what ends up happening. We're continually making history. Yesterday, you just whatever you did yesterday was now history. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we want to maintain that that focus um, to create more and to give more and to recognize Black history. Mm -hmm. So much of that focus, I think, like it seems to me a lot of movements and a lot of sort of organizations, there's so much young energy and youthful energy and exuberance and like, we, we want to get out there and help the world and make things better. But the, the, a lot of times it's not that organized. So like when you started 10, you know, 13, 14 years ago as a youth and as, you're still quite youthful, but I mean, like how, how has it changed from back then when you were just like, I want to get out there and change the world to now you're like, okay, I got to organize the people who want to change the world and get those coordinated and organized and, and get those programs in order. I think the biggest change is obviously the whole forming of social media and electronic mm. communication. It's just, it's exploded over the last 10 years. So we didn't have that when we first started. Maybe we had, Facebook might've just been coming around, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but email there, we were, we were still making phone calls, still sending letters. I remember our president, um, Ms. Mavis McLaren would take our letters and she would walk over through the legislative building and drop them off at each office doors. And so that's what we did. And, you know, it was good because that way it was the more that personal, that face to face. So that's not a bad thing. Um, but the difference with that and now is that we are so connected to the whole province, to the whole country, to the world. So we're able to have people from all over participate. And as much as COVID has kind of squished our dream <laughs> of having this big 40th anniversary, um, it's also given us that uh, we're grateful for the fact that we have so many more people being on board and, and joining us because we've had different um, platforms enabled to have that connection. For sure. So we, we take the good and the bad and, yeah. and that's one of the best things about it. Well, letter writing, there's probably people volunteering who are like, what, you know, who, who does that? Yeah, what is a letter? Exactly. How, how, how often do you, because I can speak for myself, when you were giving the presentation last week or two weeks, time is... I can't keep track of time, but how many, how often are people saying like, Oh, I had no idea. I had no, you know, how often do you get that reaction from people? Every, every year, mm -hmm. every year. And I think that's one of the best reactions that we get. 
And I love it because I can personally say that I say that every year. Mm. I get to learn every year something new. Um, the fact that we have so many different people on board and people in this city that are doing stuff, that are creating events, that are creating platforms, they're taking what their ideal of Black history is, or they're taking what is important to them or what they found and creating something and then sharing it. So that's a get another great thing about Facebook and Instagram and, and all of these different avenues that they can go and look at something, Google this and or hear a name, and then we can share it with everybody. So I 100% learn something new every day. That's awesome. Uh, it's cool too, because it's not like a lot of times when people say, oh, I had no idea. It's not like the history wasn't happening or being recorded or it just they didn't have the voices being elevated or, or really, you know, talked about or listened to. Right. So how has that how has that changed for you when it comes to, you know, just elevating voices, having people on the platforms that different, you know, didn't often have the opportunity to speak and now are. Do you think that we're making strides in, in that area or what can we improve upon? Well, I think the first thing that we have to recognize is that the school curriculum um, does not lay, lay the best foundation for creating a good space where you're educating people about Black history, Canadian history, yes, American history, yeah, because it's a big deal, but the actual individual cultures and ethnicities, they don't get into that because one, they don't have enough time it's a lot, <laughs> but two, because that's not their focus. And the fact that even Canadian Black history itself is such an intricate and widespread um, documentation of so many things that we're missing out. And then it's a, it's a dep it's detrimental to our young people. And, and that's where we're at right now, where they're not interested in it because they don't have to learn it. I remember, and you can probably attest to this as well, going to school and you do the bare, bare minimum. <laughs> it's like, it's a, whatever prerequisite, whatever is required of us to do, we do. Taking that extra step is not for everybody. So that's where we kind of fall off because if you take American history, if you're taking calculus, if you're taking languages, those are not a necessity it's something that you want to learn. So that's how we're trying to, to, to mold Black history into something that everybody wants to learn. Mm -hmm. But the importance of it is that it's, it's a require, you should be a, it should be a requirement. Well, not, there is so much, it's so important. Not only is, there, is it, it should be required for educational purposes, but the context of modern day situations in the States, situations in Canada are dictated by what happened you know, years ago. So when it comes to the current state of things, like how important do you think it is to understand the history and understand the context of where we came from to understand where we are? Well, and I think, yeah, you hit it right on the, right on the, uh, the head because the way that we are right now. So for example, um, people talk about the George Floyd, Floyd situation. And there are sometimes they have this kind of theory that that was our, you know, awakening. And that was the big, oh my gosh, what's happening in the world? How could this happen? But they don't realize, and from a different perspective, from my perspective, that's not new. That's not something, oh my gosh, that's more of a, again, 
Mm-hmm. Why is this happening again? Why is this a continual trend? And that's where there's a difference when I, I, I don't like that narrative to say, you know, since the George Floyd, it's not since him, right? We're, go- we're going back hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, from lynching to you know, police brutality, segregation, discrimination, all of those things. And from the future, from the past is creating our future of so such dismay, such anger, such hurt and resentment. And that's how we're molded right now. And we just happen to have this generation of fantastic people, um, young and old that are just fed up. Mm-hmm. You know, we, they don't have that tolerance. There, there was a great um, document, docu-series, if you get a chance, um, called Amend. And Amend. It's, it's on right now, Netflix, and is talking about all of these things and they were talking specifically about Martin Luther King Jr. and when he was talking about making those changes to the equality in the 14th Amendment, um, talking about waiting, how people of color were told, just wait, something will, it'll happen, just wait, <laughs> Do you know? And it's not because they don't wanna say no, they want to say, you know what, it'll, it takes time. And and I'm totally, I, I'm 104 that I've said that myself, right? You know, as, even as a parent, you say, just wait, be patient, it'll happen. And at some point, there's going to be a, 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 a breaking point within yourself and within the society that that's just like, we can't wait anymore. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. Very well said. That I kind of had an experience this summer. I, have you seen the movie Do the Right Thing? It's an old like yes. 80s movie. So I watched that for the first time maybe, you know, 6 months ago it was after the George Floyd situation and I was like it's 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 eerie how how paralleled those those movies are and that this is back 40 years almost 40 years ago now. And you know, MLK back in I don't even know what the exact history is 60s and you know, this has been happening for de- for decades and centuries and so at what point do you do you say like hey we're done waiting and i think yep. we're, we're getting to the point now where people are done waiting it's time for some equity and time for some equality um so are, we're talking are you... about we're talking about uh, lincoln like 1863 <laughs> <laughs> like we're not talking about you know 18 or 19 or we're talking about 1863 we're now 2021 um we, we should be way further than we are. We yeah. should be doing better. And it just, you know, we've waited. We have been waiting and there's gonna, it's taken an explosion to, to make that change. And it's just a voice that yeah. needs to be louder, stronger um, and more together. And that's where we're at right now. I've spoken with so many activists and people who care about, you know, whatever certain cause. And I'm always... It makes me a little bit pessimistic that we're still having these conversations, you know, hundreds of years later. So how do you, you seem like an optimistic person. How do you stay optimistic knowing that we're still fighting the battles from centuries ago? Because I believe in in the human race. (laughs) That's the only thing that I can really (laughs) say. I I do believe, and by doing this so many times, um, there's always that one person that says something to me. Um, or writes a post or, you know, comes up to me after an event and says, you know what, I'd like to make this change or I'd like to do this. Um, and the, and I when I talk about 
what's happening and, and the things that are happening. I'm not even just talking about February because this is my life, right? I'm a black woman living in Canada, um, a majority white surroundings, populations as I grew up. I grew up here. My, my family's from the Caribbean. We're, we're the Canadian kids in my family because mm -hmm. we're first generation and, uh, and I'm a mother. So I, I talk to my daughter and I say the same thing. It's just like, you have to do something. You can't just say that this is bothering you. You can't just say this happened to me. You can't just internalize that or you don't say anything at all and then expect change to happen. So when those people say, hey, you know what? I wanna get involved. What can I do to make change? How can I get out there? How can I get someone to, to listen? How can I make change? That's what it takes in order for us to, to improve. The way that we are and the, the fact that we're still here in the same spot that we've been in, I can't say that it's getting worse and I can't say it's getting better. We're just kind of stuck in this little rut where it's just like, we want to talk about it, but we don't want to talk about it. We want to make a change, but we don't want to cause ruffle any feathers. Um, but at this point, one of my, one of my, I think it was my sister that always says that we have to make people uncomfortable because that's the only way that they're going to understand how it is to be in our shoes every single day. Because we, we're uncomfortable for years, for centuries, for decades. We're been, we've always been uncomfortable because we're always trying to do things better in order to get things better. Um, it's the expectation that we have to do more in order to be created and, and thought of as equal. Mm -hmm. But that's not that's not what the amendment was for. That's not what equal rights is about. Human rights are about. None of that matters. We're all here. We're all here for the same reason to live our lives. Um, there should be no real reason why just because the color of our skin makes anything different. Beautifully said. Let's talk a little bit. You mentioned, I mean, as a Cana as a black Canadian, how do you think that that experience differs from from the black experience? Obviously, in the states, might be a little crazier, but but all over the world, how do you think being a black Canadian is unique? And and what is that experience like for people who maybe haven't walked a mile in your shoes? It's unique because I find the difference is that um, there's there's not. I wish I could say that Canada is not racist. Uh, that would be an untrue statement. Can they hide it better? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, I think with the state, because there's the spotlight is always on them, um, that what happens in the states happens in front of cameras, in front of news people. People are shouting from the rooftops. They're just more bold and they're more out there and they're more outspoken and you you hear about it. All the, you turn on the news and it's always there. Canada is there, but sometimes we have that stereotype of being too polite to talk about it and to say, and you know, um, we don't bring it to the forefront. But it's here. It's it's definitely here. Um, me personally, I wouldn't say that my my life has been full of racism. But then I also am a black female. Now, if you ask a black male in Canada, do you still feel the same way as she would? Their answer would probably seventy five to ninety percent be different. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a whole different outlook and a whole different theory in regards to racism. But I'm aware. You know, I'm not sleeping and I know what's going on. 
um, that that is just the, the way that things are here. Now, the fact that we're more, I think our progress would be faster than the states, but the progress is still going slow. So, yeah, it's kind of just a little bit more insidious and subtle and like, you know, you do a double take, like, did you just mean what, did you actually just mean that? Or is that, you know, if it, or, you, or you just think, oh, they didn't mean that. Right. right. And you don't say anything, you don't call them out. <laughs> You'll just be like, they didn't. Oh, I don't think they realized what they just said. Right. Right. Well, so much, yeah. And it happens. Yeah. Cause like I work in a workforce where, you know, people are discriminated all the time and they'll, they'll say something. And they don't, the person that's saying it may not realize, like if you ever say something, record it and then play it back. And then you, you kind of hear it and think of it from a different angle. And it's like, oh, now I understand why that person took offense. And that mm -hmm. could be with anything and not just race, um, sexuality, you know, religious beliefs, all of those things, mm -hmm. because it's, it's foreign to you does not, you know, it's meaningful to somebody else. So you yeah. always have to take into consideration what you're saying. Well, yeah, I kind of think ignorance isn't really a justifiable uh, excuse anymore. You know, like we have the internet there. You can do a little bit of research and hear and he listen to people talk about what the proper sort of etiquette is in 2021. I mean, it must just be exhausting to constantly have to educate on actually that's not what you're supposed to say in this you know situation but like right. it, it would be pretty frustrating i am and, and then see then so you're just within the next last 20 minutes try to imagine that same feeling for a lifetime right, right. and that's what i that's how i try to define when we're talking about racism and discrimination um if you're uncomfortable for say five minutes, you've got a uh, rock in your shoe or something like that, you can't get it out, right? That's how people feel every day. Mm -hmm. You wake up with that rock in your shoe, you go to sleep with that rock in your shoe. That's what racism is. It's a pain <laughs> that's mm -hmm. unnecessary. It right. shouldn't be there and you want to take it out, but you just can't. So, so then you go back to the mentality of where does this start? Are you born with it? Are you um, taught it? Does it just happen to you? Like, how does this, how does that factor in? And then how do you change it? Do you want to change it? Um, is it something you're okay with uh, because it's not affecting you personally? Is it okay for it to be everywhere? And you think about that when you're in school, you think about that when you're at work, when you're at church, when you're at family gatherings, wherever you are. And it doesn't just happen to happen to black people. It happens to Asian Americans and or Asian Canadians, um, indigenous people, um, European, it doesn't matter. <laughs> just the focus has to be that we have to look for the unique differences between us, but that's also making us the same. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not, not a bad thing. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be different. It if it's not too personal of a sort of line to go down, how, how have you approached this with your daughter? Like, are you able to kind of preserve innocence in a way? Like I, that's the thing that bothers me the most is that I don't think kids are born with that, that hatred in their heart. I, it feels taught, but to also teach your daughter that here's something that 
you might come up against, you know, and it, it almost kind of shatters the innocence a little bit, but like, what, what, what has that experience been like? And, and how do you approach that with trying to preserve this beautiful innocence, but saying like, you have to prepare yourself for a life that there's going to be situations you're put in that, that are, that are, that are horrible. Um, and I think that's, that's what it, to me and from my parenting, parenting ways or skills I've used to, to walk in my own shoes. So mm. if there's something that I wanted to do, or if I wanted to learn, or, you know, my parents were fantastic. Um, we grew up in a community of all different races and colors and creeds. And, and, you know, my one, I keep telling the story, my, my one neighbor was Filipino. My other neighbor was Portuguese and across the street were um, native Amer native Canadians. And we all hung out. That was back in the day when you hung out and you went for bike rides and you go to the park and you know lights come on gotta go home <laughs> kind of thing and you know we went to each other's house for dinner and Ooh. it was probably <laughs> delicious probably delicious community barbecues in that neighborhood exactly. you know and it's just that's just how it was and it wasn't about um oh this person oh they're too dark i don't want to hang out with them or you know they their food smells funny so i don't want to eat that it wasn't about that it yeah. was just kids growing up and hanging out and being free of course, obviously, times change. The world has changed. Things are not the same, and I don't expect it to be. But why is racism still the same? Why is discrimination still the same? If everything else is changing, why doesn't that change? Yeah. So um, my, my daughter is a, an adult now, but I think the way that I taught her is, yeah, first of all, you need to give back. You need to um, engage in your community. You need to travel. I'm a big advocate for traveling because if you don't understand another person's culture, where they came from, then it's so much easier for you to have that, as you said, ignorance, right? You don't know. But if you even, and that's just of anything. I go to, I've been to the Caribbean, I've been to um, Europe and I'm, and people are like, oh, Canada. <laughs> oh, is it just cold all the time? Is it, you know, Eskimos and, <laughs> and, and, and igloos? I'm like, no, <laughs> we're, we're Canadian. We're not. <laughs> so, so stuff like that. But like I said, ignorance. Have you ever been to Canada? No. Nope. Mm -hmm. Have you ever looked up Canada? Do you know what Canada looks like? Have you ever Googled Canada? No. And so it's so much easier for you to make assumptions and, and question where people are, what they're, what they're like. But if you learn about it and you, you genuinely grasp and ask questions and be curious, then you have a better understanding of the world and better understanding of where people are coming from and how they envision things that it may be different, but you have to also agree to disagree. You're mm -hmm. not going to agree on everything. And that's not how, that's why we were created all different because that's, the way that the world works. Exactly. So. Yeah, like you mentioned your community and just having that exposure to so many different cultures and foods and, you know, everything is the best thing that you could possibly do. But I think on top of that, media representation is a big part of like being able to see different cultures on the big screen or on the news or wherever, you know, and it, depending on what, how you're exposed to, to different you know, comic books or movies or whatever with, with different protagonists, like how, how, I guess maybe you can talk a little bit about how that's changed over the last, you know, 20 or so years when it comes to representation and seeing, you know, all creeds represented on, on the big screen. And, and it does matter. And I, I think people, I think I'm, I'm bringing this up because personally, I didn't really understand how it mattered because, 
I mean, to be frank, like every superhero was a straight white Christian male, you know, male. And I was like, oh, that looks like me. So it's cool. But and I didn't until much later in my life, I didn't really understand that. Oh, there's people who didn't really didn't really it didn't resonate with them because of that representation. So can you speak a little bit about representation? And I think that exactly what you said is the most important thing. When you see someone doing something that's congratulated or that's successful, um, that's rewarded. Um, If you don't see that person looking like you, then how do you know that you're able to be in that same position, right? And that can start from very, very young age and little things, even going to the doctor Mm -hmm. and you have a black doctor or an Indian doctor or whatever, Right. And you see this doctors, you know, solving problems and and creating solutions to your sick and you want to be healed. And if you don't see another black doctor for 20 years, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. No black people are not allowed to be doctors or we can't be doctors. We're not smart enough to be doctors. You, you just have that mentality. So you have to start molding your kids when they're young to say anyone can be whatever they want to be. Because mm-hmm. back in say a hundred years ago, that's what that's what they used to bring down the the I don't know what the best word <laughs> the mode of that that mode of that mentality I guess it's a mental beating that they were mm-hmm. taking to say you can't be anything. Yeah. See, look, yeah. When, when you say like, look, nobody else is doing it. So you can't either, you know, but and- they were, to- they were literally told that like, um, I think it was, I was watching, it was, a, I'm sorry, another movie reference. <laughs> I was watching the, I think it was, I want to say it was a hurricane. And uh, when he was young, going to school, smartest kid in the class. And when they did career day and they said, you know, what are you going to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? He wanted to be a lawyer. And they were like, Oh, that's ridiculous. You can't be a lawyer. You're good with your hands. How come, why wouldn't you want to be a carpenter? You know, God was a carpenter. <laughs> Just kind of, you know, those kind of things, because back in that realm, people were, religion was a huge thing. So it's like, oh, well, I can be like God, but <laughs> I can do right. that. But then why can't I be smart enough to be a lawyer or a doctor or an astronaut or whatever, right? So those kind of things, it, it beats you down to say, we're, we're gonna just accept what's being told to us. So when you're talking about movies, and I, I definitely am impressed with the variety of what we have now. You know, of course, when Black Panther came out, it's just like this huge outpouring and just like, wow. But you should see the little, the faces of those children, right? And that's where, you're, that's the most important part. Um, even X-Men, you see Storm is a black <laughs> uh, superhero female. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just having, you know, the gay and lesbian being represented, um, two spirits, transgenders, all of these different representations make those people, especially those young people, aware that you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. And you, and social media and, and just mainstream media and, and Hollywood 
they they recognized that. Mm-hmm. I think they they definitely recognized that, but it didn't take it didn't um, it didn't take not a, a lot of fighting to get to that point. Yeah. It wasn't like it just was handed to them. Oh, yeah. They had to make sure, you know, and sometimes they have to get their own studios, make their own movies and, and you know, fight that good fight. But yeah. why is it that we have to fight so hard to yeah. do that? Yeah, it's not that long ago. I listened to a couple different podcasts that talk about this when it wasn't really that long ago where, you know, an Asian actor would would speak in a really like thick caricature accent right or you know like a lot of latino actors would only be the thugs or you know black actors would only be a prisoner or whatever you know and those things have a, t- a tendency to make people think like oh that's what that is you know like that's what that looks like and and we're starting to get there but there's still i think a, a ways to go when it comes and you're to- right right like the having even the diverse police presence on in movies and stuff it was always the criminals are always the colored it's like the mexicans the the latino americans the the blacks are all you know drug dealers and this and that but then we also have to take some of the onus upon ourselves to say you know what we should be creating roles that give a better representation Mm -hmm. you know we shouldn't be um exposing our kids to you know those negative roles that that they're showing like you have a choice and especially as a parent you have to control sometimes what your children are seeing so that's a part of the the issue as well you can't just leave it open and you can't just go just for well you know that's the black person's we want to see if they're doing something that's wrong then you have to call it out and say you know that's that's not right and there's a lot of different um there's a lot of different experiments and different um research that's done in the for the the different moldings and the the way that kids minds work Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you ever seen the doll experiment where they've asked children the simple question which doll is a good doll which doll is a bad doll they have a white doll and they have a black doll and majority of the kids say that the white doll is good and the black doll is bad why would you think that as a child? Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying when you're talking about this, the way the world works and the, the mind of a child is so delicate that you have to be so careful mm-hmm. with what you say and what you're doing and how you're put, put putting it out there to them. It, mm-hmm. It's very important. So when I say, you know, we should be reading to our kids, we should be taking them to different cultures and restaurants and trying different things. And I don't mean it as, you know, just as like, oh, this is just a tour, you know, just a token thing to do. It's it's actually an important way for them to develop the, the sensitivity to different cultures and to different backgrounds and to different people. And it's so much easier than to be in a mall and like, you know, you're six years old and that's the first time you see the black person. That's not right. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, I'm from a small town of, I don't, we had very few black families, if any, in our, in our small town. So same experience, you know, I was already sort of a fully formed human before I understood, oh, there's an entire different, you know, like group of people out there. So had that been more introduced sort of at a more normal rate, it wouldn't have been such a kind of like, holy, what what the heck, you know, or whatever the situation is. And then parents tend to be like, oh, you know, you they, they tend to almost overreact in those situations when you can just be like, oh, you just go ask them. Like I heard, a, I saw a great tweet the other day with, it was about um, 
a gentleman who used a wheelchair and said that the thing that frustrates him the most is that when 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 parents like oh I'm so sorry. Like they pull the kids away as opposed to like, go ask them like, say, Oh, how'd you get in that? You know, like normalize it. You don't have to make it a big thing that, Oh, everyone's different. And you know, don't ask about it or don't be curious, like get in there and have a conversation, learn, make a new friend. and, And that's the best way to do it. I agree. Beautiful. Well, we could we could probably talk about this for hours, but I understand you're a busy person, so I won't keep you too much longer. But at the end of our time together, we do a thing called Just Because, where it's the same seven questions I've asked every single guest. Are you okay to do that? Sure. Okay, great. It's all about the causes that people care about. So the question one is, what's the very first cause you ever remember caring about? The first cause that I remember... Oh, I think the first cause that I... Um, Youth involvement. I think that was my first cause in the community, getting youth involved. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with that. (laughs) That's good. And it's important. You know, that's great. Question two, uh, if money and politics and logistics were no issue at all, you could just snap your fingers and something would happen. What's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause? I would change the curriculum for school systems here in Canada to include Black history. It doesn't? As mandatory. It's- the the if you ever go to a school system right now and see black history in your in your history books it's probably maybe a paragraph or two um it is not a part of the current current curriculum in canada no it is not Jeez. um it's important and like we had this discussion earlier that um the way that the world has evolved the presence of our black society, um, people from African descent um, is so integral and that it is it should be a requirement and it's not. And that's what we're trying to change right now. It's again, one of those, let's wait and see, but it's, it's a big <laughs> process. There's a lot of red tape in order to do it, but I think within my um, lifespan, I, we're gonna see that changed. Beautiful. What can the average person do when it comes to, you know, do you have to write a letter? We can go back to writing letters to the school board. Like how can, how can the average parent be, make it known that they want this to be a change? I definitely think um, from what we've spoken to and what we've heard from um, the public trustees and the minister of education, it will take a, a kind of consensus of the community in the province um, and and the country to make that change. So we we might be coming up with um, a petition, um, but definitely let your schools know and and your your students are, are the biggest voices um, and the teachers together. If that's what they want in order to make change, that's what we're going to have to do. So. Um, be involved and and be a voice if there's something that's going to change it won't change by being silent so you need to talk to your school trustee talk to the school board um your your division office and then say it and let them know that that's what you want and that's the only way we're going to be able to make change love it question three what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about your cause that is only for black people Mm. everybody (laughs) Um, and I should say there's a two part. So for black history, um, that's my biggest cause. I love black history and, and we want to get it out there. Um, but when we do our events and when we do our planning and when we're doing, creating all of these ideas, they're not for just our people, our community, 
wants to share and are we want to get people involved and we want to make sure that it's inclusive. Um, we want everybody to participate. We want everybody to learn. Um, that's the only way that we're going to proceed is by having a connection, a partnership, um, allies, however you want to call it. That's the only thing that we're going to be able to do. And um, Black history is so important that it shouldn't just be about a month. It's not about a month for me. Um, that's like having your birthday and, you know, sometimes I want to celebrate all week and sometimes I want to celebrate all month, but I celebrate me every day. <laughs> so, um, as, as history and black history, 365 days, it's important. Um, we, we, that's a life that we live and that's an important part of our, um, just our makeup and the way that we have a place and a footprint in this world. So we need to continue to talk about it and, and to learn about it um, and just have February as that celebration month. But Black history needs to be an everyday occurrence. Beautiful. Question four, uh, what is a time in your life where you had to pivot because plan A wasn't working out, so you had to go to plan B? Ooh, um, I think... My biggest pivot was I wasn't necessarily planning to be a mom mm -hmm. <laughs> when I That's was. That's a big pivot. Yeah, That's a big pivot. <laughs> that was a big pivot. <laughs> so after having um, my daughter and just trying to figure out where I was in this world and I had when coming out of high school, I was all about art and that mm. was what I thought was going to be my direction. And it just didn't. It was it was um, doing administrative work and I just I love it. Um, that's my day purse job, but even taking it into the community and being able to give back um, with the skills that I have is is one of the biggest pivots and and a great direction. So it's just a different path, but it's a it's a great one, and I I wouldn't change it for sure. Uh, question five: What's the best advice that you've ever been given? That I've been given. Oh, um, be myself. Mm. Um. If I don't love myself, then nobody else will. So I think that's pertains to everybody that the first person that you should be in love with is you. And it doesn't matter if you have a partner, if you're, you know, you're tall, you're short, you're black, you're white, you know, you're big, you're small. All of that doesn't matter, especially when you love yourself. Um, it took me a while to get there. I was never that kind of person. I was very self um, conscious and very shy and very quiet. And I just kind of went through the motions, tried to make everybody like me. Um, but at that, there's that point in your life when it's just like, you know what, you don't, you gotta stop caring. <laughs> I just don't care anymore. You like me? Oh, well, you don't like me? Oh, you know, my day is still going to go on. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the, somebody had told me that, and that kind of put a little spark in my in my brain and said, hey, you know what? You're right. And and I've been the way that I am now ever since. You just fully described me 100%. Like, I used to be so like, I hope everybody likes trying to be the funny guy. And now I, I, I just, I don't have time. If you don't like me, whatever, I, I'll go hang out with my other friends. Like, we're good. Thank you. That's yeah, or I just don't hang out with anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm very cool with that. <laughs> Question six. What advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could talk to her right now? I would give her the advice to, I think I would say, go with it, go with it. Mm. Don't, don't give up because it may, I think 
by being who I was made me into who I am. And that there was no way that I would change that because I think I needed to go through everything negative and everything not perfect and everything that happened um, in order to be who I am and have the mental state that I am. So I wouldn't change anything. I would just say, go with it, trust, trust, <laughs> and it'll work out. Trust, you'll be, you're stronger than you know. You're definitely stronger than you know. That's a good one. Yes, beautifully said. Well, Nadia, thank you for being here. The last question is the hardest one. Um, question seven is, what do you want to be remembered for? <sighs> that is a hard one. Um, I think I would love to be remembered as someone who advocated for her community, who brought about change, um, and that saw this world the way that we all should see it as a positive place. Um, I'm not looking for any awards. I'm not looking for you know that million dollar house and the fancy car. That really doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm I'm just more of that. You know, somebody said to me, you know, what I learned or thank you. Um, that one change or that one person that can say, you know, what I saw you, and you made me want to do something. If I can have that, then I'm I'm good. Beautifully said. Nadia Thompson, thank you for being here. Uh, where can people find out more information about you and what you do and, and for the rest of the month here um, and for the rest of the year, actually? For the year. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're going to put that into the narrative now. It's yeah. the year. It's BHM365. Yes. <laughs> it's just going to keep... Hashtag. Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, we have a great new um, refreshed website. So bhmwinnipeg.com. Um, again, we were, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. So we are having a celebration for the year. Um, you can check us out on Instagram, bhmwinnipeg. Um, you can check out our group on Facebook, which is Black History Month Winnipeg. Um, and we're going to definitely continue. If you have any ideas of something that you want to see or you want to do, whether it be like a presentation or it be a trivia night, something fun, um, you know, having once all these regulations change, cross our fingers, we're going to hopefully have some more events that we were, had to move from February to um, the summer. So we're hoping to have our basketball. We're having a, hoping to have our community concert. Um, we're gonna have a conference next year. We, we know that there's so much going on this year. So we're gonna move it. We're gonna have something next year to get more of Canada involved because Winnipeg is the heart and we're doing so much. And we've had one of the longest running um, celebration committees in Canada. So we wanna celebrate ourselves. So we're definitely gonna try to get people here. Um, and then we're gonna have uh, a banquet for our, for our closing and we want everybody to participate. So keep watch and keep um, being involved and, and uh, definitely communicate with us. Send us an email, bhmwinnipeg at gmail.com. And I'm, I'm always around, so you'll find me. Sounds like sounds like you're gonna have a busy 365 for, with everything <laughs> that's, that's going on. That's okay. Nadia Thompson, chairperson of the Black History Manitoba Celebration Committee. Thank you for sharing your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, uh, your story, and uh, we'll stay in touch and and we'll we'll keep things going for the next 365 at least. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks. You're wonderful. Thanks. 
Thank you again to Nadia for our conversation today. It was really enjoyable and really illuminating. And I think uh, it was great to hear her wisdom and, and hear her perspective. And, you know, as she mentioned, if you have kids in the Winnipeg school system, tell their teachers that we need black history on the curriculum. It's kind of insane that it isn't there. And uh, when she mentioned that, yeah, no, it just kind of made me scratch my head. It shows how far that we still have to go as a culture and as a society, I think. Um, but, you know, we'll get there. If you enjoyed this conversation, we have tons of other great episodes at becauseandeffect.org or just search Because and Effect on wherever you happen to be listening uh, to this podcast now. Uh, if you haven't yet, please check out Because Radio. It's our weekly radio program from the Winnipeg Foundation. Uh, every Thursday at 12 at 12 noon on 93.7 CJNU or but you can visit becauseradio.org that's because r-a-d-i-o.org there's tons of great stories from local impact makers truly making a difference in our city and you know it's just good news I think everyone kind of needs good news these days so uh, becauseradio.org has those good news stories for you all music on our show is produced and composed by Trenton Burton you can hear more of his music at trentonburton.com Cause and Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. Learn all about the foundation by visiting our website, wpgfdn.org, or by searching at wpgfdn on all social media platforms. I'm at Nolan Becknell on all the socials, uh, so you can follow me on there. And thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate you tuning in. And remember, prejudice is a burden that confuses the past, threatens the future, and renders the present inaccessible. Bye-bye.